Cross-Politik begins in 3, 2, 1. I'm a heart that breaks for a dying city. Stop cursing your future. <laughs> Is not true. For all intents and purposes, I am a woman. No government, no political system has ultimate supremacy. Jesus is king of kings, and it's about time our nation returned in humble submission to his lordship. You are not protecting women. You are authorizing the destruction of 500,000 little women every year. I didn't start, but sir, sir, with all due respect, that's the argument of a five-year-old. I didn't start. Right when the spirit comes upon people, they go to war. They go to battle, and the enemies of God are driven back, and they're slaughtered. You are listening to Cross Politic with Gabe Wrench, the Water Boy, Pastor Toby Sumter, and the Chocolate Knox. Hello, y'all. Welcome to Cross Politic. Thank you for joining us again this week. I'm very excited this week for me two too, reasons. For too. two reasons. Well, uh, one. One is because we got Elise Crappy Shuts in the house. Hey. Yes. Hi. Thank you You'll for know, coming on the show. You don't know, but you're going to know pretty soon. Yeah. <laughs> you you, you guys know. don't know Elise, but, you but go you're going to know Elise. Yes. yes. Second reason is it's Toby's birthday. Hey. Hey. You know, I was thinking about this, like, what do we do for your birthday? So I was thinking that there's a couple different groups Uh-oh. that we have. Oh. Right? Like, there's, there's a few different groups. Like, there's a group of people who haven't left white evangelicalism, and <laughs> they might want to sing happy birthday. Happy birthday to you. Sounds like a choir. Toby. Happy birthday to All right. I'm already Pastor bored. Toby. I'm already bored. <laughs> Wait a sec. Are you saying this is a bunch of white people? Yeah. <laughs> or, not- or, or, or those who haven't decided to leave white evangelicalism. Now, if you have decided to leave white evangelicalism, you might sing it like this. Mm. Hey! <laughs> I, I feel the Holy Spirit in this song. It's the day your mama brought you home. It's a special day. It's the day your mama brought you home. Happy birthday. Okay, all right. So I'm somewhere in the middle of those two. I'm somewhere somewhere in the middle. Yeah. So happy birthday, man. Thanks. How old are you? Why are you looking at me like that? Why do you you gotta (laughs) sing like why do you gotta sing like that? (laughs) I'm thirty seven. Wow. Wow. Well you preach like you're (laughs) eighty. Hey. You're wise, you're wise like you're 75. Man, Toby, I'm 38. Yeah. I am 38. Yeah. I'm a year older than him. Mm, yeah. You what, act you, like you're too... You, you got, <laughs> well, well, you preach like you're eight. <laughs> I'm sorry. I did. It's, it's, what is this, that's, by the way? We have some oh, birthday drinks. So birthday this, drink. this is some birthday Belvini. Elise, did you want some Belvini? I have no, a glass thanks. right here for you. No, I'm, I'm okay, good to go. Okay, but we also <laughs> have, we also have some fizzy sparkling. water for you. Okay? We got you some Perrier. Thank you. Yeah, there you go. That's very kind of you. You forgot also we have John Henry in the house. Hey. Elise's nine-year-old son. bodyguard. Yeah, bodyguard. Nine-year-old bodyguard. Bodyguard. Yeah. Bodyguard, yes. Thank you, John Henry. He's locking it down. Yeah. yeah. Here, say hello. Here. Hi. Hey. Hey. There, there we go. go. It's That's John pro. Henry. All right. Let's get into some cross-politic news. We, let's just say happy birthday one more time. <laughs> one more time. You, you little, happy little, birthday. I got. I got. A, I like that part where it says the day your mama brought you home. <laughs> <laughs> the day your mama brought you home. <laughs> Oh, I like that's, that. That's rich. Thanks. Yes. Thanks. Yeah. Well, appreciate that. We love. love you, Toby. Yeah. Thank you. Well, I yeah. love you guys, and this is great. And uh, yeah. even though I totally like misread David's text to me today, I was like, "Got it." <laughs> Where's my? I'm book? gonna do that. I'm he, gonna bring the book. He texted me. He's like, "Bring the book," and I was thinking he was talking about Elisa's book. 
because we have copies we, of your we i mean it's, it's not it's not the like you, you know copies, the, yes. the, the, the fancy one but i was like oh yeah i got it i'm gonna bring it yeah and i didn't read it. and i was like walking up the steps and it says your book you know what now thinking about it, i'm gonna take back my happy birthdays <laughs> anyway you, you're your book. i'm sorry you. i'm sorry pastor toby wrote a book called bloodbot and i can't i'm bloodbot world bloodbot world thank yeah. you yeah. um correction and i was thinking we should do a short film on this book uh-oh and so I, I want to read it and kind of digest it and get it in right. my head. You should read it first before you. Well, I think I know what it's about. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The blood ball. Blood, I mean, come on. Come on. It kind of gives it away in yeah. the title, but I'm yeah. just saying, I still want to read yeah. it. But I think we should, you know. All right. Do a cross I'm, I'm gonna. I'll bring you. I'll bring you a copy. That. I'll bring yeah, you a copy. Yeah. 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 Now it's on the air. What do you mean you don't got it already? <laughs> what do you mean? I thought we were friends. You turn it. You turn it hey, on. Don't yeah. we have some news? Uh, to hey, do? I so, thought we were uh, friends. Speaking of, let's talk about some news. At least, how you doing over there? Good to see you, sis. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Happy the birthday, day your mama brought you home. <laughs> uh, uh, hey, I was I was in California this last week for uh, um, New St. Andrews. Did you People, use the right pronouns? One of my. I, <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Um. So this is going to come up That's in, in cross politics news. Yeah. yeah. Two things before I get to the pronoun thing. Okay. Um, uh, a school um, down in California asked me for. Um, I work. You know, one of my many jobs is I work for New St. Andrews, and I'm, I'm director of recruitment there. And a school asked me to come and speak about cross politic. Oh no, <laughs> that's awesome! So I went down and spoke to the whole. You know, uh, I, think those was, kids? I think it was freshmen and up uh, yeah. about cross politic and tied it into. Hey, this is I can do NSA. I can do um, uh, cross politic because of my liberal arts um, uh, training and everything. Whew. So, it was a. Uh, it was wow. fun. It was fun. I, I can't tell you how many listeners I met down in the L.A. area. Wow. Where I was, I'm, I don't know. I don't know where these people. Wow. Come well, from, and I don't know why they listen to us. Well, hey, but, shout out to L.A. Yeah. yeah. But We're while playing for you, <laughs> while I was down there, I um, uh, there's a coffee shop that shared a bathroom with um, uh, it's that one store, you know, not Tar- safe Target. way. Come on, what's the what's the fruity? What's the uh, Kroger Whole Foods? It's kind of like oh my goodness. You need to Google it. Oh, wait, you don't know what it is. No, I don't know what it is. It's the store. Anyways, it's like a Safeway. It's not a big okay. deal. Okay, all right. Um, and uh, uh, they share bathrooms together, and so I need to go use the restroom, so I got to go out of the coffee shop and go into the store's bathroom, and I go there, and the bathroom signs are all genders. It, that's that's what the bathroom sign said. It said all genders, and that was Uh-oh. it. Uh-oh. Nothing specific. I felt a little, a little insulted. What but if you don't have a gender? That's in contrast to what happened in Texas this past week, or that what became known in Texas this past week. About three or four months ago, a a caf- coffee shop or cafe down in Texas posted bathroom signs saying, "Hey, this is Bruce Jenner's bathroom, and this is you know, Bruce for the for the guys. Yeah, Bruce, Bruce Jenner for the guys. Bruce Jenner for the guys, and Caitlyn Jenner for the for the girls. So, Uh-oh. what was the ladies' restroom um, at? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just wondering because yeah, yeah, yeah. two guys. And they, right, there's two guys. And they took so, there's two guys. That's right. That's, right. that's good. But they took a picture of of uh, Bruce, uh, which is Caitlin and this and one. then another picture of Bruce dressed up like a woman. With the, with, right, cross, cross <laughs> Oh, okay. And they took yeah. the whole picture and paved it or pasted it on the door, so you know, kind of Bruce looking like a girl, and then Bruce went in the Olympics looking <clears> like <throat> a guy on this door, <laughs> and he can choose which door. Anyways, it's been like that for three months, and it finally hit national media, and yeah. it's just um, right. tweaked everybody off. Uh, but it, it really is an insult. I mean, we've said this before on the show, but I mean that every time somebody tries to do that, it's an insult to every woman. Absolutely. Yeah, right. right yeah, because right, they right. just took a bathroom away from the women. Right. And, and but that and, but that <laughs> yeah. that man really isn't a woman. Right. Well, exactly. It doesn't right. matter what he's doing. It's not a woman. Yeah. That's right. And 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 that's an insult. 
Well, and, and let me real let me let me play this clip real quick, and you at least just... you can jump in here anytime you want to, because I know I read your book. I know you got something to say about that. <laughs> you ain't fooling me. I didn't talk about bathrooms in the. Oh. <laughs> I don't know if you but really it does, read it closely. It, it, in extension, she does. <laughs> but his vocation is no way close to being anything to a woman. No, not at all. Let me play this. If you let don't me... start out a woman, you can't end up a woman. Oh, no. oh. <laughs> no. take that to the bank there, and cash. There you go. go. You don't that. start, you can't end. Tweet that. <laughs> let me let me play this video real quick. What's she like to coach? Hey, she's good. She's good. She's she's got a big, broad smile. The AFL's latest big controversy breaks her silence. I obviously don't agree with what the AFL has done. Banned from the women's league. They think that she has too great a competitive advantage. Do you have to take it easy on them? Oh, God, no. They're tough. They rip in. But you must have had inklings for some time. You know, you're sort of going, I, I know this is the right thing to do, but... Were you more attracted to females or males at that oh, point? Oh, yeah, girls for sure. I still am. Um, you know, and that's something people don't really understand. Should they let her play? She's got nice, solid hands, which is good. Good hands, Hank. The full debate. It's a bloke in a dress. Oh, that's <laughs> <nice>. <laughs> what? Saturday. So, so that's 60 Minutes Australia. I don't know if I quite understood what was going on. I know, I know. That's what, that you had to see the imagery. I wanted to no, yeah, yeah. no, no, no. <laughs> I don't think imagery. we did, Gabe. So you you got the imagery when it said it's a bloke in a dress, right. okay? And it's this this guy who's wanting to play as a girl in the Australian rub, rugby league. Wait, wait, wait. So there's a guy dressed wanting, up as a girl. Yep. Who wants to play in, in Australian rug, rugby league? What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. <laughs> Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. That's just how I'm Who feeling is that? right Who now. Who is that? That's just how I'm feeling. Who is that? Yeah. I'm not telling you my sources. That's hilarious. But that is the dumbest thing I've heard. <laughs> oh, man. Um, and, and this, this wait, wait, dude is on. big. That's why they're... T- I mean, they're wait, just, so the rugby league is for guys? For girls. For girls. Yes. How, so how women's would he rugby do league in Australia. in a men's rugby league? How would what? How would he do in a men's rugby league? Like, I mean, is, the he guy looks good? Big. is he any good? He's, he's a big dude. He He's a big dude. I mean, he's got he's basically a dude with a long hair ponytail. Yes, but how would he do in a rugby league with girls is the question, right? Because <laughs> like, that's why he'd be joining, exactly. Yeah. I exactly. think. Right. And who wouldn't want him on their team? Yeah, like, hey, we're going to win championship right. this year because yeah. we're cheating. Because right. <laughs> we got a we got a dude, we and the dude, dude looked like he could play in guys' rugby league. That's how big he is. Right. He's got big arms. I mean, the, the coach is describing his hands. I mean, because the guy's got, like, masculine, strong hands. Right. Right. But, but isn't this their worldview, like, eating them alive? Oh, yeah. yeah, it's eating themselves. It's just... Right. I mean, this is like a cancer tearing them up, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. This is, but they're stuck. <laughs> How they get out of it? But they're stuck because yeah, you can't stuck. you can't keep saying this kind of insanity and then say, "Oh, we've been insane," right? Right. Exactly. Without yeah. without repenting, yeah. yeah. Right. And yeah. and there's a, there's all kinds of incentives not to repent, right? Right. Why? <laughs> they, and they, so that's that's why they'll never oh, back that's a out. Good point. Right. That's yeah. You're right. That's that's why they'll never back out. Is because it, the only way to back out would be repentance, which should be they'd something ha- that's foreign to, to them. They, they don't ha- know how to do they'd it. They'd have to acknowledge standards. They'd have yeah. to acknowledge truth. They'd have yeah. to acknowledge that they're wrong. Right. And so, so this brings me to um, Donna Brazil. <laughs> <laughs> you like that transition? 
That's not bad, Gabe. You're getting better. <laughs> you know what? Like your segues are mature a little bit. I'm working on it. I was wrong about you being 20. Your segues might be 28 <laughs> 22, now. 22. Yeah, your, your segues yeah. are growing up. I'm so, with you. So have you guys uh, heard about Donna Brazil's new book? No. It's Come not up. anywhere. No. <laughs> so you know Donna Brazil was the former DNC chair. Okay. Um, she was also- Democratic National um, Chair. Commission. Um, commi- committee committee uh, Chair. Yep. And she's the former chair, which is a pretty powerful position. Right. Um, and also known as Hillary Clinton's puppets. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. Well, that's, well that's I think where, that's the point of her book. That's right. Yeah. yeah oh, that's oh right. really? Is it? What's the book called? Um, the book is called Hacks, the inside story of the break-ins and breakdowns that put Donald Trump in the White House. Wait, of is, course, is she including herself in that? I, well, that's what right. she should. Is it the, <laughs> so the Russians? At least it's like, no. No, no. no. <laughs> not, not. So, is it the Russians? She's basically laying out in her book how Hillary Clinton took over the party long before they nominated her into, into the Democratic nomination. Now, let nominate. me get this straight. She, now, right? now, Donna is not in the seat anymore, correct? She's not okay. the chair I think anymore. she was just an interim chair. Oh, okay. Well, she got, and she got fired as interim chair when it came out, when the WikiLeaks came out. That she'd oh, been, she was sneaking off. She'd been sneaking questions um, from the oh, debates. She oh, she's the one. She's the one. Yes. Yeah. Oh, okay. So when it, she says hacks, she's looking in the mirror. <laughs> just wondering. What you talking about, Willis? I, I'm just assuming that that's what she means. Yeah. Did you read the article where she had to call Bernie Sanders? Yes. That's that the one. Was, okay. Mm-hmm. What, she had what, to, happened? what happened? So well, she, she, she lays out this chapter in her book where she found out what was going on in the Democratic Party. She found out that Hillary had basically, um, Hillary made a deal with the Democratic Party where she would channel all her um, earnings, all her, what she fundraised through the Democratic Party, and then they would channel some of those earnings back into her her um, coffers, her her fundraising mechanisms, because at, at um, just uh, um, fundraising policy, you can only raise about, I think, 2900 per person if Hillary can. The National Party can raise millions per business person. doesn't matter. You can donate however much you want to the National Party, but you're limited to a specific candidate if you fundraise directly. But, but to then them. the party can funnel money back that's as right. much as they want. But right. I think she got them out of debt, and that's, that's why right. they that's had right. to do. Right. So Barack her. Obama leaves office and leaves the Democratic National Convention or party in millions of debt. Hmm. And so Hillary makes a deal. And says, "Look, get you there's a debt. joke there I have, yep. but I can't. I, I would get in trouble for saying it." But John Henry's like, here. No, yeah, it's true. <laughs> <laughs> it was a black joke, but I just, I just, <laughs> I think you can make the connection. Yeah. Why he leave? We in de- anyway. Echo, I, I, I said it. Toby didn't say it. Gabe nope, didn't nope, say it. I didn't send the chuck. At least, at least, at least, at least, John Henry. He, he amen it. But anyway, I, okay. <laughs> so yeah, John, like that's right. That's right. I've been thinking that. I was gonna say that. I was gonna say that. Um, and so, and so she basically, um, uh, financially bought the party and they signed a memorandum. I mean, they signed document, Donna found documentation with this signed memorandum that this would be the case. Well, what, what they, if you let them describe it, what actually happened was that the party was broke, like yep. Elise was saying, yep. and they went to both Hillary and to Bernie and said, would you guys raise money for the party? Mm-hmm. Right. So now this is me putting a DNC spin on it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and Bernie said, no. He said no because who the the way that the because money he's could not be manipulated. A yeah, he already he already he, <laughs> well. <laughs> interesting. Uh, he he already knew that Hillary had her fingers inside of the party anyway, and he felt like yeah. she was going to manipulate it because yep. whoever won the whoever won the chair whoever won uh, in the party the nominee the, the nominee thank yeah. you whoever won the nominee got to control the money. 
Right. And so he already knew, like, Hillary's moving this thing towards her way anyway, and she's already got her cronies in here. Why would I help raise money? This is coming from his side, some people who are in his campaign. He didn't want to help raise money for someone he already knew was manipulating the system. Right. So that's why he didn't do what she did. She raised money because she knew. Yeah. This is, this is my be, party. This, this is this is my party. My party yeah. I mean, I'm in. You know. So but, what that means is, is she has control of the party before the nomination process actually happens, which means all the Democratic um, national movements are all in favor of Hillary, right. helping her get elected. But what doesn't make sense is why this is newsworthy. Everyone knew that she was doing this. Come on now. Oh, oh. Well, this is this is what I, um, message <laughs> <laughs> message. Well, but this is uh, the, the reason why this is news now is because Donna is no longer the chair. She no, no longer has the Democratic power that she had. She's ousted from CNN for um, rigging, rigging the. Oh, she did do that. Right. Yeah. Rigging, rigging the uh, debates. Debate. Well, the, for getting the debate. caught rigging the debates, yes, which right. I think is different. <laughs> right. Getting caught. <laughs> and and then Elise makes a very good point there. <laughs> That's that lawyer talk. And, <laughs> and now, so she has no way of. Um, making money like she used right. to. Right, it so sells books. It sells books, and in addition to that, um, well, uh, I don't think that's the only thing. When though. when you lose power, when a party lose power, everyone starts devouring themselves and starts coming out. And Hill and and now Hillary is the big target. Well, I think, um, yeah. Oh man, this is so much just because this ties into Weinstein. We were talking about this earlier as well. Yeah, do it. Um, Say it. It was th- good. This is how the the wicked change power. Yeah, they eat themselves. Right, yeah. like they have no succession plan. Yeah, you know, right. and so when when Donna's going out. This is her uh, her kill folder. Like she's grabbing all the information she can on someone else, so that when she goes out, she can protect herself, right? And, and still be able to, like you said, make a living. But also, I'm watching the other people who are in the party who want her, who want the Hillary campaign, the Hillary people out, so yeah. they can change the, the hands of power. Right. And so Donna is leading the way, and they're saying thank you, Donna, so they can come because everybody has been on this story, and everybody's saying like, oh, that's kind of bad for Hillary, except for the Hillary campaign people, right? Because they yeah. know they're the ones that are getting kicked out. Yeah. But everybody else in the DNC is like, this is sad. We need we need to take over our own party again. Like I totally believe that this thing happened and that Hillary was doing it because they're changing power. Moral morality power. back in. Yeah. Had Hillary won, they'd be like, yeah. all right, way to go. I know. Donna wouldn't you have know? Read, she wouldn't have wrote a book. She wouldn't have said a peep. If yeah, they would have won. A- absolutely. No, absolutely yeah. not. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely not. Yeah. All right. So when we come back on cross politic, popes and feminism. All right. At least Crappy okay. Shed's new book next on cross politic. This is Cy Timbrinke with Answer Anyone Apologetics. Professed unbelievers like to stump Christians with the question, can God make a rock so big that he can't lift it? Well, no. No, he can't. There are things that God cannot do. He cannot lie. He cannot change. And he can't contradict himself, to name but a few. Of course, then the professed unbeliever will say, if God can't do those things, then he isn't all-powerful. What they refuse to realize is that those things are not powers. They are weaknesses. To make a rock so big that it can't be lifted would be a logical contradiction. That would be a weakness, not a power, and is therefore something that God cannot do. Of course, they'll likely insist that in order to be omnipotent, God must be able to do the logically impossible. Then I say, okay, fine. A God who can do the logically impossible can, in fact, make a rock so big that he can't lift it. 
To which they say, Aha! Then there's something that your God can't do. He can't lift that rock. And I answer, No. A God who can do the logically impossible can lift a rock he can't lift. And the absurdity of their demand is exposed. When we defend our faith, stick to the true nature and character of God, and you can answer anyone. For more apologetic answers, visit AnswerAnyone.com. Toby. It's your birthday. We're going to bite, laugh, and feast. Oh, I love it. I love it. Go, 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 go. It's the day your mama brought you home. It's your birthday. Bite, laugh, and feast. I love it, David. I love it, Knox. Happy birthday, man. Oh, I'm not done yet. What? He's got more coming. Uh-oh. Got more Uh-oh. coming. Uh-oh. Hey, welcome back to Cross Politic, y'all. Uh, Chuck and Knox, you are... <laughs> I'm having too much fun. What a gem. Oh, man. What a gem. That's pretty fun. Um, so, we got with us today Elise Krabby Shetz. She grew up in Mississippi and Texas. Amen. Is that why she's on the show? Amen. Because she's from Texas? Odd. Uh-oh. <laughs> really? Not a coincidence. Uh, she you mean gra- where Joe Osteen is and T.D. Jakes? Uh-oh. Ooh. She graduated Sorry. with- There's the- a lot better things in Texas mm. than Joe Osteen. <laughs> yeah. I think a lot of better things come from Texas. I don't oh. know how much is in Texas right go. now. Mm. I'm just saying. She graduated with a B.A. I think you better watch it. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. She graduated with a B.A. from Baylor. Oh. What, what'd you get a B.A. Waco. You right. You right. No, you right. No, what, you right. What was your what'd B.A. You get a BA in? Well, actually, I uh, I designed my own major. It was this program called University Scholars, so you can take whatever you like. So I took everything from Greek to organic chemistry. She's that smart. My face is a gift right now. She's Uh-oh. that I'm just smart. Blinking. Yeah. Well, I also took outdoor adventure activities, which I did so poorly in. <laughs> I, I failed a camping trip. <laughs> <laughs> you can fail a camping trip. Oh, oh man. Okay. I was a little nervous at first, but that's now I'm awesome. not so nervous. Awesome. You shouldn't be now, nervous. No. Now, it says here that you earned a joint JD and MTS at Duke. I think that's, that's, a, that's, a le- that's a lawyer degree, jurist, doctor. That's correct. And MTS, is that a master of theological studies? It is. It's a master. That's of what theological- I have. Yeah. So, uh, it's a great, it's a great thing. It's but you, but I don't have the JD part. <laughs> it's just a little. That's a minor part. I don't think so. <laughs> yeah. yeah, just a minor. I, I, I yeah, kind of yeah. doubt that. At Duke, I could be a lawyer. It's just minor part. It says she always intended to marry a serious academic with an easy last name. <laughs> this is on Amazon. This is on, I love that. God has yeah. jokes on yes. you, don't he? In, yes. Instead, yep. God gave her an indomitably fun-loving businessman with a memorable last name. <laughs> Crap you shits. Andrew transplant <laughs> that was Gabe. Andrew yeah. trans well, it's true though. It that's, is. Yeah, that's it is. the name. Yeah. yeah. My wife actually likes to tell the story that she remembers your wedding and says that during the vows you kind of giggled. Well you would. <laughs> well you well you would, wouldn't you? <laughs> he was absolutely worth it, but it was God's joke. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, that's yeah. awesome. Andrew that's transplanted awesome. her to Idaho. Where Elise stays home with her, their five fanta- fantastic kids. Wow. Including, including John Henry. John Henry, who's yes. with us in the studio. She tries to transform their wild hillside into a formal southern garden. And I have to say, you're, you're doing a pretty bang up job at it. Yeah. Well, thank it's, you. It's looking really nice. Yeah. It really is. Now, now, John Henry, you ready? He's going to tell us one more thing that's not included in the Amazon bio. Tell, us about, the mic. tell us about your mom. Get into the mic. She took us to Planet Three. Planet. That's three. how moms win. What's Planet Three? A trampoline park in 
Oh my goodness! Where, oh, it's a trampoline park. My kids are not allowed to listen to this this episode. So, so, she, like, so she's like pretty much the best mom in the world. Yes, sir. Oh, oh right. How do you? So, oh man, it's that easy. Then. It's just yeah. that easy. Oh, cost trampoline. you five dollars in an hour. <laughs> oh, now the reason we have you here is that you have a brand new book out called "Popes and Feminists: How the Reformation Frees Women." From feminism, smash the convents, and um, and and yeah, one of the early draft titles was "Smash the Convents." Um, so where did this book come from? Um, and 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 why did you write this book? Well, I didn't mean to write the book, but I somebody asked me to speak at a ladies' event, and uh, I was supposed to speak on wisdom for wives. So. I ended up using historical figures to do that. Mm. And then one of the things I noticed as I was looking at the historical figures was this question that I actually always had myself about vocation and was it holier to go and be a missionary or be in full-time ministry was uh, something that they were dealing with during the Reformation, obviously, uh, you know, the, the Catholic Church said it's holier to the only holy vocation for a woman is to be a nun. So I thought, you know, that's kind of an issue that women still struggle with either in the church because mm-hmm. they feel like they need to be a missionary or they need to do some sort of Christian work that properly so. Or uh, in the secular world where feminism is has inroads in all sorts of academics and and just everyday people saying, what are you going to do? You're going to need to have a career if you want to be meaningful with your life, if you want to do something worthwhile. That's the world's version of if you really want to make a difference in the world. That's right. If you really want to be holy. Then, right. If you want to be useful, if you want to be fulfilled, if you want to be happy, because of course, in the, the time of the Reformation, the whole goal of your life would be salvation. Well, now people, especially secular people, are not really concerned about salvation, but they're very concerned about self-fulfillment and happiness. Mm. And and many people are still concerned about making a difference in the world, but that's never something you could do in the home. And actually, any sort of mundane things you do seem like, well, those don't matter. It only matters if you're doing a big thing. And then the only way you can do a big thing is to be out in the workforce. So what did you learn? From the reformers about this mm. well obviously so martin luther and calvin and other reformers said a vocation is actually any lawful calling that you have it's not narrowly defined as something for the church it's anything you're doing offering it up to god god's pleased with it he's mm. actually happy with it and so of course there was that teaching but then you had to have the embodiment of the teaching which as i'm looking at these women and studying the women who were either married to reformers or had become Protestants in the course of the Reformation, the way they're living their lives and the purpose that they have for their lives was far beyond just, well, I hope I can earn my salvation, which is what a nun would have been doing if she had chosen to go to the convent and had not been forced to go to the convent. Right. So they were, um, they're raising up faithful children. They're, having people in their homes, incredible amounts of hospitality mm. there. Some of them, God put them in different places. They either didn't have kids or their kids were taken away by the Catholic church and raised somewhere else. And so these are women who are using whatever positions God puts them in to advance the gospel. Mm. 
I remember reading. Did you? Re- I haven't finished reading your book. I'm sorry. That's okay. I'm just thankful you started. I did start it. So I don't. Did you read um, When Fathers Ruled? Have you read that? Yes, and it was fabulous. Um, I remember reading in that it was a great book as well on this about how some of the reformers actually planned raids to break women out of convents. Mm. Do you yeah. remember that? It's like wow. A, yeah. It's not like slavery. Wow. No, but seriously, really? like but, but like, but many of the women, I mean, at least you just said this, actually had been committed to convents against their wills. Yeah. Correct. Yeah, and like, you said like that. Their, their dads and their older brothers and people just dropped them off there. And, or, and, or their husbands wanted to divorce them. <laughs> something. But, but, there, yeah. but there were some reformers that actually planned raids and they broke women out of the convents yep. and set them free. Absolutely. Wow. Set them free to so that... They could be married and have families and, right. and, and use their, their lives to serve Christ. So what's interesting about that is if you read modern historians, so uh, and many, most of them are probably feminists, they look back and say, well, it was a disservice to these women to get them out of the convents. And, Weird. and the reason they say that is because the only place that you could be, according to these women, uh, these historians, free from male autonomy was, or I mean male the patriarchy. The patriarchy was <laughs> either being a widow or a nun. Actually, there's a third category if you were a prostitute. So they believe mm. that prostitution was actually actually a, a good, a, freeing, a social a good for thing. these women. Yeah. And it's so sad that the reformers also got rid of that. Any Anything but a mother. Right. Or yeah. a wife. Or a wife. Yeah. And And they would say, in fact, the Reformation wasn't that great for women because the women couldn't preach. Not that any woman would have wanted to preach. Maybe you would have found one or two, I guess. I mean, maybe. But the Joan of Arcs or whatever. Right, but really, no. <laughs> no. Well, they didn't. It was, was, I mean, like, it's funny because whenever you look at, at, at modern society and how they push and encourage women, women it, it, they push them far away from where they're best um, placed and where they're best at, where they're going to have the biggest impact. And a lot of, and even in the convents, I mean, you, you point this out in your book, where all these women were sneaking books into the convents and they're, they're um, sharing Martin Luther's works and Bibles and, and all right. these, you yeah. know. And then all of a sudden it, it starts basically a reformation inside the convent. Reformation will not be even, televised. What? Even, <laughs> yeah, even even before, you know, um, someone can come and free the free them from the con- convents, the reformation is yeah. already happening. Right. Right. Because some faithful woman um, like uh, um, Martin Luther's wife, Katie, Katie right. Von, Von Bora, um, you know, was... was Passing books around or, or, or whatever. Or there was there was a nun whose parents put her in the convent. She filed a letter of protest. They then made her, I think they made her an abbess, and she again protested that. And then she just started spreading the Reformation in the convent. And I think they were happy to see her go. Wow. Yeah. Right. Wow. So, the, so once the gospel starts happening, then they're like, okay, oh, you, you can leave. You can leave now. So the thing that you're pointing out, though, is that the the tyranny, you're, you're, you're pointing out a parallel. Right. Between... Um, the, the 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 enslavement, the tyranny yeah. of the Roman Church, right. in the High Middle Ages, by the time of the High Middle Ages, and modern feminism. Talk more about that parallel. So the thing is, I think every woman wants to have every person wants to have a purpose for their lives. They want to have a reason, and if you're a Christian, you want to have a way that you're honoring God. Yeah. And our society, like the Catholic Church, has said there's a very narrow way that you can mm-hmm. have a purpose for your life, that you can honor God. And the reformers came along and they said, no, there's not. There are a million ways that you're honoring God, but they don't 
look like this hugely sacrificial, I'm going to go give my life away and live in a convent. Yeah. Or, or what our modern society says, I'm going to go have a career and leave my kids at home. What it looks like is a thousand diaper changes. And I'm, 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 I'm sorry. Say that. Say that again. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think people heard you when you said that. I what just it looks like. Sure what, what it looks like. What it looks like to change the world. What'd you say? A thousand diaper changes. Okay. You said she said a thousand diaper changes. That means first you got to have some kids. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, no. That's right. I'm just saying. That's right. <laughs> and I do think there's an element where feminism likes it, it pushes this. Women are you know, let's do things for other women. Let's make women great but that's actually at its root that's selfishness it's saying i'm pushing something for me that's going to benefit me that's going to benefit people like me mm-hmm. whereas these women oh, that's who yeah. gave their lives away that in i'm looking at the reformers wives and other women of the reformation they're saying the gospel is what matters and i'm going to be obedient to god and god's going to bless that and if you look at and in the book i talked about this the way that changed society it didn't happen overnight and nobody's writing a biography about them or mm. giving them a parade, mm. but they, in their faithfulness, change the entire society. There's education. There's people reading their Bibles. Women are treated better as long as you assume that, say, having no prostitution is better than having right. prostitution yeah, or right. at women making the choice to stay home rather than being forced into a convent is better. Those are all things that changed through the course of the Reformation what, what are, are the betterment of society? I, what are some yeah, of the yeah. ways? Because when I started reading, uh, I think when we had Becca Merkel in here, she started talking about feminism. And I started realizing that there were pieces of feminism that were latched on to me because of my American culture. And culture itself had kind of influenced my thinking. And I'm and, and I've been saying you're a feminist for a while. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but you know, you got a little feminism yeah. under that beard. <laughs> that's more obvious to the rest of us. Yeah. <laughs> oh, she did. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Yeah. You know, I was told to be nice to you, but I think uh, no, really, no. you need to be nice to me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Yeah. Uh, but but we'll, we'll I don't, call Sharon <laughs> here. I don't think we noticed though, and I, and one of the things that you you go through, and here's kind of the first part is showing us how feminism has pretty much. Um, has formed our thinking without us even really knowing. Could you just kind of give some, give us a few examples of that kind of from, because as you talk about, um, I think feminism creeped in because men themselves were not being men. And so it gave a kind of reverse fix to the system. We're going to fix it, but we go overboard. Like the world can't fix the problem, right. but they'll see it and they'll try and they just completely flip it upside down and, ma- and make a, a mess of everything. And so in one sense, it's because we aren't doing our jobs. Feminism can creep in. But now feminism is here. How have we just accepted it um, in a lot of ways and haven't really thought about that's actually feminism controlling the day? So, I mean, here's just a little example. One of the things that I noticed as I'm reading, you know, of course, feminism is is trying now to redefine marriage. So and, and right. in fact, to dissolve marriage as an institution. So the it's a power structure, they believe, between men and women and and everyone should be free, how they define free, to make their own choices, write their own story, write their own love story. Right. And I think the evangelical church, the average evangelical wedding that you go to is about these people's love story. Yeah. Instead oh, yeah. of actually saying, this Stop is... Stop it. <laughs> this is yeah. a picture of Christ in the church. This is not... This is about you in one sense, of course. Right. It's important that these two people are coming together. Right. But if you don't see your story as part of a greater story then why wouldn't you be okay with, well, I mean, I just don't feel like this is a great story anymore, so I'd like to get out of this marriage. Right. Well, I'd like to live the way I want to live in this marriage instead of saying, 
no, I, it's not mine. It belongs to God, and it has to reflect what mm. God has for his people well, and what God's done for his people. Or why would you never let two loving people get married? If right. this is about, right. If this is just about love story. Right. Then, then you can write a love story about then, Yeah. Anything. Rugby players can play on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly yeah. right. Got, but then <laughs> Guys in dresses can play rugby with yeah. girls. Yeah. Um, one of the things that you noted a couple times, one of the parallels that seems to me between the convents and modern feminism is just the barrenness, the childlessness, yeah. um, just oh. the obvious thing, right? Wow. And and we know that um, I, you know everyone does have their own story in God's providence, and not not every woman is a is a mother in the same in that same right. way. And God writes the story, and I R- think that's the most important thing: is you don't write it, God right. writes. That's it. right. At the same time, one of the most obvious glories, you know, for a woman is to become a mother. And and to to how ta- dare you to take that <laughs> to take that glory away to say it it's not glorious to want to be a mom to want to to, to for that to be your goal. Um, it's so sad. It's so sad. And one of the ways that you can see it being so sad for um, the nuns was actually they would have not all of them obviously, but they, many of them would have these Christ child dolls, and they would make clothes for the doll oh, once man. a year, and they would try and take care of the doll just such a sad thing because yeah. it's clear that that instinct that God gave them, that desire God gave them to mother, yeah. they mm. still had. It doesn't matter that you're... Didn't go away. Right. And and honestly, tragically and weirdly, the desire for marriage doesn't go away because the whole point of being a nun is you're working towards this consummation, the spiritual consummation of your marriage in heaven, <laughs> which is maybe creepy. Right. Yeah. And so it does, it does get... It does, <laughs> yeah. it, Just a bit. It, it is. Yeah. And it gets weird. Greek and, mythology. And, and, it, it, get weird it gets weird there's no yeah but but i think but you know dave is talking about modern uh, imbibing modern ideas of feminism i would say the same thing's still going on in the church where there's um even in christian circles even in evangelical churches it's we've imbibed this it's like yeah maybe i'll get married and maybe maybe in five years in 10 years maybe we'll have one or two kids right but there's this massive like self-sterilization happening yeah. But I think part of that is people are told this is what you should be doing. You should be going to have a career or right. or just you should be living for yourself. And nobody's right. told, you know, you're not even though it's obviously right there in Scripture, you're not going to gain your life by trying to gain your life. Right. You're going right. to gain your life by losing it, by losing it, well, by giving it away. And, but I hear yeah. I hear Christians, conservative Christians still saying, you know, we're going to get married and we're going to en- enjoy our lives together for a while. Yeah. And I think part of the. Point. Yeah. what i would oh, want man. right and, and like but it's but, but but that's not where your life is found no and i would want someone if they're going to read this book to actually walk away and say there's more to my life than what i thought and there's god has given me such a rich and full opportunity and i should actually take advantage of yeah. that yeah. or we go on the other side and we just say you know what you don't have anything in this life just go give your life for jesus and die somewhere and it's like right. well, you know, go have some kids yeah. we need to baptize them jokers what you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> more with at least crappy show when we come back Canon Press is a publishing house located in Moscow, Idaho. Canon Press, we create and provide products that sketch a vision of the whole life, a whole culture, a life full of beauty, tradition, education, community, laughter, and celebration. 
unashamed of Christ and sharply at odds with the values of modernity, a mature culture with the church at the center, living out the good life, one family at a time. We believe our book, audio, and visual selections reflect this exciting life that God has given us under the sun. As the wisest man said, go eat your bread with joy and drink your wine with a merry heart, for God has already accepted your works. Canonpress.com. For 21 years and counting, New St. Andrews College has sought to obey Christ's great commission to disciple nations and build Him a house. Not just in Jerusalem, but throughout the world. Not with stones and mortar, but with living stones. We build and fight. This is the task of a Christian liberal arts college, to equip students with the tools to build and fight. And this is our joyful task as we seek to graduate leaders who shape culture through wise and victorious living. To learn more, check us out online at nsa.edu forward slash explore Happy birthday to you. <laughs> Happy birthday to you. Yeah Happy birthday Happy oh, yeah. Hey we just partying over here across politics It's Toby's birthday Hey <laughs> But there's no cake and I think there should have been cake Oh yeah I would have brought cake if I don't <laughs> Our cake is whiskey Bless yeah. your heart <laughs> Which is not a compliment, just you know, so y'all know that. You know, I got to say, Elise, I'm really glad to have you on my birthday. <laughs> I, this, this show has been just really special. And John Henry over here, he's got, he's got a, he's, he's busting a move over he here. He's asking my jokes, so we need him here more often. Yeah, yeah right? Yeah, yep. I like Somebody's got to do He's on laugh track, yeah. Oh, man. Makes me feel good about myself, John Henry. Thank you. <laughs> so, chapter 19. Reformation 500. Yeah. What is this? What, well, that too. <laughs> what does this all mean for women's vocations? Yeah. What's the name of the chapter? So, at least, what does this all mean? Well, at the end of the day, start with where you are and start with the things that are right in front of you. So, one of the things that I was pointing out is to have the right priorities. Once you have those right priorities, then it's easier to make a decision. And I think sometimes people want to make the decision and then see if it fits in with the priorities. But rather, it should be, okay, you love God. You know his word. You know him. You grow in wisdom. And you... Then you're, if you're married, you give to your husband. You try and make him more effective. You are actually a helpmeet to him so that he is... It says that in the Bible somewhere. Right. Who knew? <laughs> somewhere. And Something to do with the Reformation. People getting Bibles. Something like that. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Message. I, I, I just, I'm sorry. I was doing something. What you say? You say something about helping your husband is part of your vocation, and it should be done a lot. Well, often. The thing is, <laughs> a lot, like yeah, a lot and often. <laughs> a lot and often. And the problem is, sometimes it feels like, well, then what about me? Won't I get any credit? But God gives you the credit, and that's what matters. And actually, I don't think it's a problem for us to humble ourselves a little bit. Can we role play real quick? Because I think what you're saying it, it, that goes off, and it sounds really nice. Like, okay, yes, I know God's gonna pay me back for being nice to somebody. You know, <laughs> like, Somebody. I get it. Yeah, Jesus yeah. is the big rewarder. Got it. Right. But right. Um, you don't understand. My husband is a mess. <laughs> right. Like, you know, like th- there's real that there's real problems behind that. And all of a sudden you take all that stuff they have to deal with. You're telling me to deal with this mess. You're telling me to deal with this. Like, this is hard. Like He needs to change. Well, that's why you have to have the right relationship with God as your first priority, because Amen. there's no way you can love your husband and give to him and make him successful and love your children unless you love God first. Amen. Can I be the angry Elise real quick? Yeah. Sure, go ahead. What she basically said is you ain't loving Jesus right. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> so Y'all know you, what I'm you, you don't hear a point at your husband saying, but you got this big old long beam at your own eye and you ain't fixing. Anyway, go ahead. Uh, sometimes, I, sometimes I tell 
uh, couples in premarital counseling that you, so you same thing you're saying, but you can't love your wife or your husband the way God calls you to if you don't love Christ more. Mm. Amen. And I think that sometimes people, at least uh, in circles I've been in, people felt like, I mean, for instance, in college, I knew people who were dating Jesus, they said. Oh, and no. then they then had to break up with Jesus when somebody asked them to a formal. So that's unfortunate. But yeah. are they cheating on Jesus? Yeah. I think they were. And Ooh. that was, I always thought, do you realize you're going to be two-timing Jesus? But. Right. You know what that bless means? Bless your heart. It's true. But people do that. Yes. Yeah. And the thing is, they when you say love Jesus, sometimes people think that means have emotions about Jesus. And it means obey Jesus. Oh. Right. And I, I think that there's so much freedom in obedience. And so much more freedom than being a slave to whatever your emotions mm. are today about Jesus, as opposed to just do what he says. If you love me, you obey my commands. Right. Do what he says. And you don't have a, it's not that your life is going to suddenly be easy, but your life is going to be a lot better. Your life is going to be blessed and you're going to have peace. Yeah. Yeah. That, and that's a lot. That's because, something, right? Because we have a lot, we have a lot of people, a lot of women without peace. A lot of women in the church. Oh man, Amen. without yeah. peace, and it's it's right there, ready for them. But you, you've got to come. Right, and I and I see him mm. chasing it, you know, chasing it with trying to have a career on the side, trying to have you know, trying to have the perfect body at the gym, trying all the new diet fads, trying try, to fix your husband, trying to, everything, mm. trying right? to make a difference somehow in right. whatever way the world. And, told and you, you want to say, how's that working out for you? Right. And I mean, how's it working out? Grabbing it's, sand is how it's working out. Right. There's no peace. Grabbing oil, maybe. Yeah. yeah right. Yeah. Just slipping right there. Right. right. But it's right there. It's right there. And the and the gospel is all grace. So come. <laughs> I mean, it's just there's so much God has in store for his people. But I think sometimes we just don't want to give ourselves up. Well, I think and that's always the way, right? I right. mean, this is, you know, this is the week of the Reformation 500. We're celebrating it. And he had to make sure we get and, that. I, yes, know, yes, I know. Right. Reformation, 500. Reformation 500. Yeah. Um, and, but one of the glories of the Reformation 500, obviously one of the central things that we covered was just, it's the, fi- it's the Reformation's birthday. Hey, and Toby's birthday. And my birthday. Do we got a Reformation birthday? Message. You got a happy Reformation birthday? I don't have a happy Reformation. I'll ask 50 Cent if he got one for us. You know, I ask him, like, hey, 50, you know, you got a birthday but, song. But the, re- the recovery of the justification by faith had, I mean, freed so much beyond what we can right. even imagine. Right. Like, I mean, imagine living back then where everything was about works, where everything was about buying your way out of hell, or everything was about having other people pray for you to make sure you were okay in heaven. And you but we're doing the same thing. Okay. Yeah. And you have so yeah. many people in evangelical reformation right. well, churches. We've left it. We've kind of left the reformation. Right. But we yeah. got almost full circle. Right. Yeah. And you got people coming back and they're, they're still trying to find peace. Well, now Christians are the new Catholics, right? And, like that's and, kind of what's happening. Ooh. I mean, honestly, and, yeah. when I read your beginning, at least when I read the beginning of your book on vocation, that was missing from the first 15, 20 years of my Christian life. Biblical vocation it was just not there. And you talk to people, they're still they're still making products as Christians. How to know what to do with your life, God's plan for your life. And and they were making And it's like reading tea leaves. I mean, it really is what is God's will for my life. (laughs) I think I'm gonna just try and and they're looking for Maybe it'll be in the clouds. Maybe if I buy this product that they're selling, then I'll find God's will for my life. Well, that sounds familiar. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. It is it's really sad because you actually have people who are really lost looking for some direction in their lives. 
and they they're I mean they'll pray about it and then it's well the next person came along and said hey I think you might be good at this and they think God just told me right 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 but you're saying that the way we actually find out what God calls us to is by obeying Him that's right and it's funny because it can sound like we're saying well works don't get you to heaven so why are you talking so much about obedience right but there's a a massive difference in thinking we're if I am just obedient enough God will love me. And thinking, God loves me, and so, out of gratitude, here's right. my life. Let right. me obey yeah. you. Yeah. And this is this is what justification by faith is all about. Yeah. It's yeah. it's that you're right. already accepted. It's right. That you're, you're already loved. It's that Christ stood in your place. That your sins are taken away. That He's come for you in His love and His grace, and He's taking care of it all. And now, you have peace with Him. And now, every all of life is right. gift. When I was a kid, we were in these churches in Mississippi and, um, well, one particular church in Mississippi. And, and, and in Texas. And in Texas. <laughs> but when I was a small child, we were in Mississippi. Yeah. And there would be people, when I was a, seven years old, I had a surgery and my parents never knew who it was, but somebody paid for that surgery. Huh. And they just called the hospital and said, it's ours. And in response to that, I've always thought, that's what generosity is. That kind of attitude, these people, and yeah. we saw it over and over and over again. They mm. didn't need to be named. They didn't need credit. They just wanted to be gracious. Mm. But then what that did is teach me, this is what generosity looks like, and I need to spend my life mm. acting like that. That's a great, right. and, and that's what God does is God's been so generous that then our response to that isn't, well, then I'm going to take it and keep it. It's, oh, thank you. Now let me give. Let me see where mm-hmm. I can give. What can I do? So, so um, let's a um, couple questions or comments, and actually trying to get at some questions here. Um, so the world teaches that kind of our, we're salvation by works, and they define what those works are, right? right? The work, the works are you know, women. You need to find value in the workplace, your career, your career, and so they're teaching us being some strong, being strong. Um, yeah, having a fit body, you know, all right. the, your black is beautiful. I'm sorry. I'm just are, are, you, are you talking about the Dove commercial? Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> no, that says your black ain't beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> Don't use this soap, black people. <laughs> <laughs> no, do use this soap. <laughs> yeah, see, you see how they do that. Oh, there? <laughs> I think I think we need to fill in our audience uh, on that one. We'll no, do it later. We'll do it later. Okay. Anyway, okay. all right. And and so um and of course that's what was going on in the Reformation. The the church, the Catholic Church, had said, hey, this is where you're salvation's at it's in the convent it's away from the home this is where holiness is at indulgences yeah indulgences and so um now what is what is so um what has happened to where we've kind of been seduced and we have all this history of like um hey don't do that we this happened in the convents or like adam and eve at the tree um, children of Israel. Children of Israel. We have all these examples of stop disobeying God and and stop listening to culture and listening to the way things are going, and we're doing that all over again. Um, does that make sense? We're we're, we're uh, our women, our churches. We're listening to the world and how they define what's works and what what saves us. Um, I don't know. Kind of a not necessarily a question. I'm trying to get at a question, but it, just trying to connect. How I did guess, we get the here? Refer- yeah, tr- trying to connect. Kind of what happened in the Reformation. To how we're back in the same spot, like you said earlier, Toby, we're back full circle. Um, but don't you think that's kind of, I mean, you know, when you read Exodus and in Numbers is the worst, like sure. it, or Judges, Judges yeah. is super depressing. Well, yeah. but then they like you see God saves them, and then what do they do? Three generations oh, later, yeah. yeah. Right. Next chapter, right. and then they say, 
oh, we we don't think you'll help us out. We don't think you'll save us. We're hungry. Right. And I think yeah, that's yeah. and that's yeah. what we are by nature is forgetters. Right. I'd also point to the fact that we've also had a pretty significant decline. I mean, um, in in men, in in, in masculinity. So. In the Reformation. Why are you looking at me when you say that, man? I, I'm saying hey, we already talked I'm about it. About that feminism hey, we're having, <laughs> we're having got, an event. Look, it got but, preached out, but, brother. Come on now. But you I'm have. Back. But what I mean, it, it's you know what the Reformation was is you suddenly you had a bunch of a, a, a bunch of men and women. Yep. Um. Together, though, determine um that their lives were entirely and completely found their meaning, their peace, their joy in Christ alone. And finding their identities by by and and so they didn't love their own lives. They gave their lives away freely. They did, and and I think it's important when you look at these women who escaped the convents, or you look at all the reformers and their wives, or or people that were not married, whatever the case, people that became Protestants. They didn't know the Reformation would succeed. So when they become Protestants, it's likely they could just be killed and the whole thing would die. Right, when yeah. you look back 500 years, you think, well, yeah, it succeeded, see? Right. Uh, and they were all fine. Look, but yeah, what yeah. they felt like was this complete insecurity, so they had so, to trust God. Right. And they ha- it was giving their lives away. But I think the thing is is that it, it's in the last um, 100, 200 years, um, you've also had, with the rise of feminism, you've also had the rise of effeminacy. Right. In yeah, men, absolutely, and so yeah, absolutely. and so, you don't have men. Malakoy. Yeah, yeah, oh, but, yeah. But, you ha- but you haven't yeah. had men um, uh, being strong, protecting their daughters, loving their wives, That's right. and um, and giving themselves away freely because they don't know their own vocation, right? And, and so there's, there's, I think that's that's part of what's going on too, though, in terms of like why, how do we get back here? Yeah, um, we we need um, we need men who don't love their lives to the death, who are willing to. Obey Jesus, no matter the cost. Lay their lives down. Be forgotten. Be nobodies. In obedience to Christ, and yeah. and and when and when men and women do that, um, worlds change. Yeah, Civilization- and it really does have to be both. It yeah. can't be right. just. I mean, God uses yeah. both, and He uses unit, the family yeah. to to right. change the world. That's what so. That's what I love about the end of your book is that's that great. ultimately it's pushing towards that family unit right there, and and how it's working. Usually in our community. I think, um, or any reformed community that has good, solid preaching, the guys take the first blunt of all the rebukes, right? Like the, the rebukes and the ad- admonition goes right to the guys and they get hit really hard. And, and you can, and that's good. Men yeah. need to be built up that way. And, but a lot of times I think women sit back, okay, so what, what am I supposed to do? Like, okay, I'm ready. Throw me in. Tag me in. High five me. What, <laughs> what, what am I going to do? And they sit there yeah. like, oh, okay. All right. I'll just, I'll just wait. I'm good. <laughs> but, you know, one of the things I love about the end of your book is that you, you say, look, guys, this is what you do. As you're finding your vocation, you said the first thing was that you loved God, right? Like you, you gave yourself to the Lord, you love God, and then you just started doing things. And some of the things that you listed you were doing were was t- sacrificing for your husband. I love that language. There, John Piper says about Sarah Edwards, who's the wife of Jonathan Edwards, she made him successful by the work that she did. She made him productive. And that's not an exact <laughs> quote, it's paraphrase, but basically her life made his ministry better. Right. And <laughs> what greater thing could a woman give to her husband to mm. make him more successful? He's out there changing the world. And what if she provides a refuge for him, provides wise counsel to him? You can't, a husband that doesn't have a wise wife, you can see it. You can see it mm. in his work. Yeah. And, ooh, 
Wow. Oh, she yeah. said you see it in his work. Come wow. on, Jesus. <laughs> Help us, Lord. <laughs> but that's why when, women should never feel like, well, it doesn't really matter what I do because I'm not out there on the front lines. Yeah. Oh, you're right. super important. You are so crucial to yeah. the uh, how can he be successful if he's fighting at home? Right. Mm. I think I think one of yeah. the one of the things I was, I was struck by by reading your book um, was, of course, like Martin Luther was integral in the Reformation. And John Calvin and all these, I mean, we can name Martin Booster, all these, you know, guys that, that are names, you know, almost household names now, but like how, um, like how the Reformation was so driven by women, by the wives and all this, Martin Booster's wife, um, of course, Martin Luther's wife. Um, so there's uh, no way it's just a power, it's just a a powerful, um, the Reformation was so powerful almost, almost in some sense more because of the women. In in some sense, because they had this huge support with these men who were getting thrown around, thrashed, and getting called to councils and getting called to to all these you know deathly meetings that they could have you know. Um, well, and also as a way to spread the Reformation, so these reformers' wives are having, yeah. and when I say they're having people for dinner, I mean maybe it's forty people every night, mm-hmm. and you don't have indoor plumbing. I know, I know, <laughs> or electricity. That's yeah. kind of a thing, yeah. right? So. They, but what's happening is that's how they're spreading the Reformation. So there's students, there's visiting pastors, there's theologians, scholars. All these people are at the table. Mm. Then, you know, they don't have the Internet. They don't have news right. in the same way. So they're spreading the Reformation through at their table ta- fellowship. At their tables. Wow. Right. Yeah. At their tables. Yeah. And, they're, and you read through and all of them have been to each other's houses. She mm-hmm. hosted these people. You know, she hosted right. Calvin. She hosted Zwingli. She, yeah. and it's right. fabulous. So it's like we need to feast. Mm. It's Ooh. always like and we fight. need to feast. Right? We need yeah. to feast. But like, I mean, this is like, yeah. how did the Reformation, I mean, you're saying Reformation by feasting. Wow. I actually, Reformation at tables. I think you could write an entire book on hospitality and how it influenced the Reformation. And I yeah. think it would how be it cha- fascinating. How it changed the world. And how would they wow. feast without any cooks? Right. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. right. Right. But, but, but the, glor- the glory of yeah. that. Yeah. The yeah. glory and of that. And the joy of it. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. That's, that's, that's really good. Popes and feminism. Yeah. Where's this book? It's at it's at canonpress.com. Canon you can Press. find it on Amazon. It's on Amazon. Um we'll send we'll put some links out, of course, through our email and, and uh Facebook channels. Yeah. Um just a great book. Oh, one other book I wanted to mention related to this was Radiant. Um Radiant is basically a biography of Reformation of women in the Reformation. Okay. Um it, it actually was more than just women in the Reformation. It went farther back than that yeah. but it was but you can buy that book was, you can buy that back on canna press you, After, you gotta you gotta yeah. get at least his book and, and if you're really nerdy go get when fathers ruled yeah that's which a, is also oh. just fabulous oh, it's by it's, harvard yeah. harvard yeah. scholar osmond right? uh, stephen osmond stephen osmond yeah, that's wow. the third book in line After yeah yeah but get elise's get elise's book first get john henry's mom's book yeah thank y'all very much yeah thanks for being on the show thank you for having me love god with all your heart soul mind and strength love your neighbor as yourself until next week go fight laugh and let's feast this is cross politics